Hello, everybody. It's Jack and Lizzie here from the Catholic Banter Podcast. Say hello, Lizzie. Hi, Lizzie. Yeah, that's really not how saying hello works, but not to worry. Um, We've (laughs) noticed that what you guys are doing right now is you guys are kind of going back to the beginning and listening to the old episodes of the Catholic Banter Podcast. That's okay. That's That's a natural thing to do. Yeah. If you want to watch Game of Thrones, you know, you don't start at season seven, you go back to the beginning. That's fine. You want to be a purist about this, but do us a favor. Because you see, back then, we hadn't quite got the audio editing right and the sound kind of sounds a bit rubbish. Uh, We were big old newbies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got it much better now. But what you're about to listen to is the very early episodes when it wasn't great. So kind of bear with us and kind of remember that the audio quality gets better as we go along. And now here is one of the early episodes of the Catholic Banter podcast. Thanks for listening. Because I can just Jack, cut it can out we start I again. It. Jack, 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 can we start again? Yeah, should we start again? All right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode four of Catholic Banter. Well, actually, no, not welcome back to episode four. Welcome back to Catholic Banter at episode four. That's what I meant to say, wasn't it? That makes much more sense, Jack, yes. Uh, my name's Jack Regan. And I'm Lizzie Wakeling. Brilliant. What have you been up to since the last edition of Catholic Banter, Lizzie? I've been on holiday, actually, Jack. Um, I went to Centre Parks with my lovely husband and my lovely doggy, and we did lots of swimming and cycling and walking and mountain climbing, and I came back more exhausted than when I went away. But it was good. It was lovely to get a bit of a break from everything and kind of just relax and unwind in God's beautiful countryside that man has put beautiful chalets in that you can sit by a log fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they should they should use that as their advertising slogan god's beautiful countryside that man has put beautiful chalets in <laughs> that'd really sell but see what i'm wondering now is which of those activities did archie the dog do i'm guessing swimming biking so archie mainly stuck to just the walking um that's his kind of sweet spot being that he's a dog um but yeah um he didn't really do much else uh he, he wasn't good at the mountain climbing i'll give him that for sure hasn't really got the grip in his claws so yeah <laughs> dogs can swim though i've seen many a dog go for a swim but it's probably not popular in the center parts pool yeah uh, he can he can swim in a pond in a you know a lake somewhere but probably not in a swimming pool with lots of little children i, I don't think it would go down well no absolutely I've been up to some interesting things since the last Catholic banter. The main news for me, Lizzie, is I've been to confession. Picking oh, up on the conversation goodness. that we had last time. I know, yeah. I went to confession on Saturday and it was great. I hadn't been for months. I had to start off by saying, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It is um, a really long time since my last confession and that's probably the first thing I should confess. <laughs> that's really good. I'm really happy for you. I was quite concerned after you after the last episode that you hadn't been for a while. So I'm, I'm glad you've been. Jilly hadn't either. And Jilly went on the same day, actually, with a different priest, uh, which was really, really good. Um, I, I like it. When I go to confession, it's great when you come out because you kind of got this feeling of sort of walking on air. It's like, yeah, if I've just been forgiven. If I get hit by a bus now, I'm going straight up. <laughs> come on, buses. Do your worst. Yeah, not that I want to get hit by a bus, you know, I want to stay around and, you know, be here for my family and stuff. But, you know, theoretically, if I did. Anyway, we've had a couple of comments since the last time. Um, Mostly very nice. One person said, you've got to sort your microphones out. If you sort your microphones out, you'll have a really good product. Okay. 
Yeah, which kind of annoyed me a little bit, although I have bought a new microphone. But it kind of annoyed me a little bit because, like, we're doing this over Skype. Yes, but, you know, people are going to give their time up to listen to us, Jack. We need to make it as good as we can because we do. it's, a, it's we a little do. bit of their life that they're never going to get back. Let's be honest. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it has okay. to be worth it. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. So we've got our icebreaker. Um, last time we uh, started going through this list of Catholic questions. It's called Catholic yes. Ask Me. Um, where did we get to? Can you remember? Well, we finished off with what's your favourite hymn or song, didn't we? Because that right. led us into our topic for the episode. Which was, of course, music. It was music. The next question, there's, there's 18 more questions. We'll just see how many of these questions we can get through. Question yeah, number let's not one. do all of them. No. So, next question is, what is your favourite encyclical? Let's broaden this to any kind of uh, church document or any kind of papal document. Um, so, I am a big fan of Christus Vivit because I've been studying it quite... Um, enthusiastically um lately um and just it's just so beautiful that pope francis has such a wonderful understanding of the youth of today and how to minister to the young people of today um given that you kind of assume that he's quite isolated but i think it really speaks to um the extraordinary nature of like how seriously he takes that synod process of bringing people together to hear from them um so yeah i think that's my favorite one and as we discovered a few episodes ago pope francis did not consult me on the writing of christus vivid which i was a little bit miffed about well not that, that you're allowed to tell people anyway no no, no, no. <laughs> let's just say if he had consulted me i wouldn't be allowed to say anything no brackets no. he didn't and your hu your humility wouldn't allow you to admit it, really, would it? Let's be no, honest. Absolutely. You're a very humble man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, supposedly. <laughs> I'm I'm working on humility. <laughs> okay. Next question is: What is your favourite church? What is your favourite church? Which basically, obviously, means what is your favourite church building? Um, my parish church of English martyrs in Hawley, because um, that's where I feel like I'm home. Okay, I've got to be honest, I, I used to be part of that parish. I like the community, I like the wonderful Father Francis. The church building itself, you know, it's not it's not St Peter's Basilica, is it? No, I know, but I guess the previous parish church I used to go to, um, the tabernacle was off to the side in a separate side chapel. And I never really liked that. But you walk into English Martyrs and boom, Jesus is there right in front of you and you're like hey i'm back i'm here to see you and so there's that element of kind of and and you know feeling like you're at home yes it's not awe-inspiring and it's not got loads of beautiful paintings and stuff but it's it's where i'm most comfortable with my friend jesus so i think that's cool that's a good answer the church you used to go to as well and i think i know the church you're talking about also had those weird kind of fred astaire singing in the rain sort of lamp posts up the middle aisle didn't it Oh, that's a different. That's a different one. Yeah, the lollipop lights. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, they classy in a particular time and place, <laughs> which is not now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think my favourite church is. Um, I've got a few. I love uh, English Martyrs Church in Goring in Worthing near uh, near where you live. Oh yeah. Which has tell us why. Is, yeah, there is a, a guy there called Gary Bevans, who is now the parish deacon. 
he wasn't when all of this happened. He is a fantastically gifted artist and he has recreated, believe it or not, it took him years, he actually did this, he has recreated the Sistine Chapel ceiling on the ceiling of this church in Worthing it's in Sussex. phenomenal, it's really it good. Is. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. If you're ever anywhere near Worthing, sort of the Sussex coast, worth visiting in its own right, have a look at this church and have a look at this ceiling. It's quite something. I also like um, an Orthodox church in Russia that I went to a few years ago called the Church of the Spilled Blood, which is in St. Petersburg in Russia. And it's just got okay. these absolutely beautiful frescoes on every wall. It's really, really awe-inspiring. It's amazing. Question 15 is favourite Bible verse. Favourite Bible verse? Oh man, that's really hard. Um, There's quite a few thousand of them to choose from. Yeah, and it was entirely dependent on what's going on in my life. Do you know what I mean? Because there isn't one that I think, yes, I live by that because different parts of scripture speak to different parts of your life at different times, don't they? Depending on yeah. what season you're in. So I think that is quite difficult to... Um, answer what's yours let me delay the process a little bit by asking you yours haven't you got a tattoo <laughs> i have got this? a tattoo yes um it's it, favorite bible verse is kind of like favorite song or favorite movie it depends what mood you're in but there's a sort of a a subset that keep coming back around and you my tattoo which i'm holding up to the camera which isn't great for the pod but you know probably interesting for you is um one peter two nine to ten which is for you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people set apart to sing the praises of God who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's there a good go. one. But I think my all-time favourite verse is 1 John 3, 1, which is this. It's, think of the love the Father has lavished on us by letting us be called the children of God, for that is what we are. That is just a beautiful verse. Yeah, so why did you not get that one as a tattoo? I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think... <laughs> you should get another one. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you how that first became my favourite verse, though. About, uh, it must be about sort of 16, 17 years ago now. I was in a conversation with a good friend of mine called Maria, and um, we were just talking about Bible verses. And she yep. says, what's your favourite Bible verse? And I said, oh, I can't remember what it was now. I think it was something from Matthew. And she said, that one was hers, and I'd never heard it before. And I thought... Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, that's now my favourite as well. So I stolen. Yeah, in a conversation like this one, I stole her favourite verse, which was, which was, yeah. Have you thought of yours yet? No, no. I'll get back to you for next episode. <laughs> and maybe I'll have got a tattoo by then. Should we crack yeah. on with the subject at hand? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. We've got 10 more questions that we can do at some point in the future. Yeah, that'll keep us going for some more episodes. So I should probably, before we crack on with the subjects I had, I should probably reveal my not so big but medium-sized announcement, which is that I'm going back into youth ministry. Yeah, Yeah, which I'm very excited about. Um, I, um, just to explain to people my current life situation, I left working for the church last year. Um, and when we moved up north, I started my own business, which has been going really, really well. I basically go around training people. I've spent most of the last week training a load of Scots in first aid, which has been a lot of fun. Um, but kind of youth work was always my thing, youth ministry and working for the church. And I always hoped it would come back around. And late last year, I saw this job advert for the Diocese of Lancaster, where I currently live, looking for a director of youth services. And I went for it and I didn't tell anybody I was going for it, apart from my wife and some people in my community. And lo and behold, I got the job. So in May, yeah. I'm taking over as Director of Youth Services for the Diocese of Lancaster. Congratulations. I'm so happy you. for you, Jack. It's so cool. Yeah. 
And the so best cool. thing about it, the best thing about it by a long way, well, actually not the best thing about it by a long way, there's lots of good things about it, but one of the good things about it is it means at national meetings we'll get to have some banter. We will. We'll be the, like, naughty table at the back, yeah, having having chats at the, the national gatherings, yeah, yeah, definitely. and maybe we can record some pods live for once. Yeah, we could. We could. That'd be great fun, definitely. So what we thought we'd do with this podcast is, since I'm going back into youth ministry and since fairly soon we're both going to be full-time diocesan youth officers, we thought we'd talk about, drum roll, youth ministry. Youth ministry. Yeah. Sorry. I'll, I'll probably get a better sound effect than you banging on your desk, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? There is no better sound effect than me drumming on my desk. <laughs> let, let, why, why don't I try it? Okay, let me try it. Ready? Ding! Youth minister. No, that was terrible. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about youth ministry. <laughs> this is this is such a low budget podcast, isn't it? It's unbelievable. <laughs> Can't even do proper sound effects. <laughs> okay, you should so sign up to that Patreon thing and get people to pay for like sample sounds and things. That would be good. Maybe one day in the future. Yeah, the theme song that we we play at the at the at the beginning and at the end. I paid forty quid for that, so. I don't really no want to way. pay for any more music. Yeah, yeah, because I had to pay for the copyright um, to it. Okay. Because there's this, there's this fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, don't worry. There's this fantastic site where uh, you can kind of go and get music, and it's really, really good. And I found one, and it said, "Yeah, you want to use it, you got to pay us." So I paid for it, but that's okay. Um, Fair enough. Right. So what we've done is basically we've each come up with some questions about youth ministry to ask each other. You WhatsApped me a couple of hours ago and asked me to put them into some kind of a logical order, which I've done. Okay. So there are eight questions. Um, Do you want me to just read them out? Let's just start at the top, have a conversation and see where we go. And if you need to use them to steer us back in some kind of decent direction, I shall leave that to your discretion, Jack. I suppose the whole idea of banter means we can't structure it too rigidly, doesn't it? Right, for reals. So you need to speak like that again now you're working with the youth. You need to get your youth lingo back on. <laughs> in it, bruv. Ah, except they're northern, so they don't say in it, bruv. Oh, that's a shame. What do they say? What's I don't know. I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask Jilly. She, you need she to can... get the hang of the northern youth slang, definitely. Yeah. Jilly's got a freelance job at the minute doing sort of tutoring for uh, various northern kids, so I'll kind of ask her how they're all talking these days. Yeah. Except, I, I, to be honest, I have never, ever tried to be one of those down-with-the-kids youth workers because I think they just... Unless you can really, really pull it off, I think you just look really, really pathetic. Maybe we can discuss that as part of our, part of our youth ministry conversation, good and bad practice. Maybe, maybe we can, yeah. So maybe. the first question... <laughs> the first question, which was submitted by uh, Mrs Elizabeth Wakeling, is yep. what is youth ministry? Yeah. So, um... I think we it's a term that we use quite a lot because we do it and we understand it. But I think for the outsider, they might just kind of think, OK, like maybe they just run youth retreats or they don't really know what we do. Um, but what the purpose, to my mind, of youth ministry is, um, is there's a scripture passage from the book of Samuel and it talks about how Eli was um, serving in the temple. Um, No, Samuel was serving in the temple. No, hang on, I'm getting confused. (laughs) Blonde moment kicking in again. Anyway, so um, God calls... Oh, my goodness. 
Eli? Does he call Eli or does he call Samuel? Jack, I can't remember. Hang on. Which one's the kid and which one's... Which one's... Is Samuel yeah, the so child? Yeah, so basically, God calls Samuel. God calls so, Samuel. Samuel's <laughs> the child, Eli's the priest. This is part of my training, but it's so late at night. Well, it's not that late. I've just really had a long day. Samuel's the child. So God calls Samuel, but he thinks it's Eli that's calling him. And so he goes to Eli and says, yep, yeah, what do you want? And Eli's like, no, it wasn't me. Go back to bed. God calls him again. He goes back to Eli. Eli's like, no, stop waking me up. It's not me. I don't want anything. And then again, God calls Samuel. And um, Eli suddenly kind of clicks. Oh, okay, maybe it's God calling him. And he says to um, Samuel, go back to bed. When you hear the voice again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so this is exactly what Samuel does. He goes back to bed and then says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening and is led down this amazing path of life. And to me, that's what youth ministry is. It's as adults, um, we are the Eli to the Samuels of our church. So they kind of don't know necessarily what the voice of God sounds like. Um, And we have a responsibility to teach them. Um, We have a responsibility to help them encounter God. And that can be done in a number of ways, um, which I think we'll probably come on to, like some of the good and bad practices of how you can do that. But fundamentally, for me, that's what it's all about, is helping young people to know, hear and act on the call of God um, on their lives. Is that Would that be a fair summary, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to go a lot more basic and descriptive and just say that youth ministry is the way in which the church tries to minister to young people. But I was also going to say that actually there's, it's a, what is youth ministry is a very, very different question to what is good youth ministry, which I think is more what you were going for there, but still a very good answer nonetheless. Yeah, what like what are the principles behind what we do? Why do we do what we do? You know, what's yeah. the point of it all? Um, and it is about, you know, providing opportunities for that encounter with God so that they can then go on and develop that their own relationship with Jesus and God the Father and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. Um, yeah, that's that's to me what's what it's all about. Awesome. The next question is, what age are we talking about when we talk about youth ministry? That um, that's another one submitted by you. I'll uh, I'll take this one first, unless you object. Um, it's an interesting one because I've read a couple of books in the last few years uh, when I was doing my masters and also uh, for a few other things, which talk about the fact that essentially the age for youth ministry has expanded a whopping amount in the last couple of hundred years because uh, in the nineteen hundreds, no, in the eighteen hundreds, basically there was this idea that there was a transition period between being a child and being an adult. But this transition period lasted basically about 18 months, which was Mm. pretty much the length of kind of biological puberty, okay? Um, Mm. Which is thought to be somewhere between about 12 and a half and about 14. Um, And then when you were 14, you were considered to be an adult and you would go and work in your father's business or you'd go and do something else. And I'm going on, uh, I'm I'm basing what I'm saying here on a book called Youth Ministry 3.0, by a guy called Marco Stryker, brilliant American writer. And he says that actually what's happened is, since then, this transition period has expanded and expanded and expanded to the point where actually, at the very extremes, you've now got kind of pre-high school programmes starting about eight or nine, and you've even got young adults groups. You know, some young adults groups now go up to 35 or 40, Mm. which is, uh, you know, a little bit bizarre. But in some ways, this period of transition from when you're an adult to where you're a proper kind of fully fledged grown up is 
in some cases more than 20 years, which is a little mm. bit bizarre. Um, another interesting facet kind of coming into this historically, and I'm basing this on a book called The Rise and Fall of the American Teenager. Basically, this uh, book said that what's really interesting about young people is that until the Industrial Revolution, young people weren't generally kept together as a group. What would happen is you would go to school when you were a kid, and then when you reached that point where you were seen as an adult, which was probably in those days about 13 or 14, you would go to work with your father in his business, or you would go to be an apprentice for someone else learning his trade. This idea that we put a load of teenagers all together and only keep them with one another actually yeah. only really came with the Industrial Revolution, so it's quite a false thing historically. But nevertheless, it is the reality we're dealing with today, and so ministering to these guys as a discrete group, uh, I do think makes sense in that reality. Mm, mm. So... What does the church define as youth? Because I know like World Youth Day goes up to like 35, doesn't it? From 16 to 35. Um, and I know, I mean, I've re referred to the synod that Pope Francis called for Christus Vivit, um, the synod on the young people. He had young people there from 18 to 25. Um, but I also know he considers youth to be a state of mind as well. And he thinks, he talks about it in a whole different way as well. Um, so what what is the definition of the in the eyes of the church as of a youth a young person the church yeah the church is always very very keen not to give a, a definite definition definite definition that's not a great phrase um but i mean yeah <laughs> world youth day generally goes from uh i think it's 16 up to 35 um although that's when you're allowed to register for world youth day people yeah. are much older than 35 anyway um for different documents and for different events and different processes they kind of define it differently but i think really the one thing that's interesting as well is in the global church you've also got language problems kind of coming into it because yeah. in different countries they see it differently like in french in france the translation of youth is uh, legion um in spanish they talk about juventud i've probably pronounced that really badly but actually when they use those words what they're talking about is what we'd refer to as young adults when okay. we talk about youth we're talking basically about teenagers aren't we People yeah secondary school, school age yeah, secondary yeah, school. yeah yeah which is interesting um so it, it's 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 impossible to nail down it really is yeah and also you've got young adult ministry coming into it as well which is another very important thing i mean personally i am of the opinion that every single age group every single group that has a specific need or a specific title the people should be ministered to in its own way that's not to say that the church shouldn't come together the church should come together but i think actually there is also scope for that element of kind of small group work in the church which is based on age state of life interests where you are in your discipleship journey and so on and so on yeah yeah it's true it's funny i was i was promoting a um a retreat for young adults today on our website and um one of the the first comments was why are these things always for 18 to 35 year olds i'm 40 something and i want to go on these kind of things why is there nothing for my age group and i'm like oh well i can't answer that for you because what i do is for 18 to 35 year olds so i can't i can't tell you but i i, I feel your pain um because it is yeah. you know <laughs> you don't get retreats for 40 to 60 somethings do you like it's you know no. but i guess you go on the parish pilgrimage or whatever you they do i don't know um <laughs> i would probably know if i wasn't involved in youth ministry <laughs> yeah. 
I think I think there is a specific group for over sixties. I think it's called Parish Life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but surely that should be for everyone. The parish should it's, be the community, the local family, where everyone belongs. It should. It you know, where should. as it is goes in Cheers, where everybody knows your name. Um, yeah. But maybe that's for another podcast as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, when I used to run the young adults group in Crawley Deanery that you and I were part of when we when we fitted into the young adults bracket, um, it was. I always used to get that complaint because I always used to go around churches kind of trying to drum up business and priests would let me talk after communion and I'd say, yeah, we've got this young adults group. And it was always a bit awkward because you'd get people coming up to you on the way out and they'd say, I'm 42, am I too old? And I'd have to say, yeah, yeah. sorry, <laughs> yeah, you are. But then you'd also get the complaints and you'd get people saying, well, why, why isn't something being done for this group? And I always yeah. find that actually, when you do something that's successful, one thing you get is you get complaints about why something isn't happening for another group. Yeah. yeah. When I started, um, I'm just going back to mine and Lizzie's shared experience here. When I built up the Youth Alpha group in Worthing, um, that became really successful. One thing that happened really quickly is I got complaints from people, parents of kids that were just a bit too young for it, parents of kids that were just a bit too old for it, saying, you know, why aren't you doing anything for these kids? And my response to that is always to say, well... I'm sorry, but before this group was here, you weren't having a go at me because I wasn't doing anything for those kids. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm doing my bit. If you want something to happen for those kids, you step up and do it. Yeah, yeah. That is a bit of a problem that we have within the church. Um, that if you're, if you're employed to do a job, everyone feels that everything in that remit is your responsibility and therefore they don't actually have to step up and get involved at all but actually you know they're your kids that you're worried about why why do you want to leave it to just me you don't even know yeah. me <laughs> um you know get involved help out let's do something um yeah so there's a there's that kind of culture within the church of kind of consumerism isn't there of like you know i want you to meet my needs um but it's like i'm one person let's work as a team <laughs> yeah. i'm sure there's plenty of people in this parish with loads of amazing gifts let's empower and enable those people um and unleash those gifts um so yeah it's lots of challenges yeah i think two problems coming in here is firstly so little in the church is actually really really working that's quite mm. a bold and quite a and quite a sweeping statement but i do think it's true and i do think i can back it up so little in the church is actually working that when something's successful the people that are running the successful thing essentially get blamed for everything else not being successful and get blamed for the fact that they're not doing everything else yeah another problem that you get all the time as well is that and i saw a great um there's a there's a spoof news site called the babylon b which is kind of spoof news yep. from a christian perspective yeah yep you know it's brilliant and uh, they have some great headlines every so often and one headline they had i think last year was a couple that never volunteer for anything moan about how few programs there are at church <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i think i certainly when i was when i was doing the job you're now doing i just one thing that happened to me so many times and this is actually how the worthing thing got going is people would come up to me and say, we really want a youth group in our parish. Oh, but we're not the ones to run it. And yeah. you kind of have to work out a way of saying, yeah, you are, I'm afraid. <laughs> if not you, then who? <laughs> the next oh, question the challenges. is... Yes, next question. Yeah, I chucked a question in here, and the question is, I know you've kind of done this in uh, the first pod that we did, 
But what worked for us when we were younger and why did it work? You can answer that one first. Go. Um, so, yeah, if, if people did listen to the first podcast, they'll know that it was um, World Youth Day that really clicked everything into place for me. Um, but I think that would only have had the effect that it had because of the solid upbringing that I'd had in the Catholic faith, being in the church and kind of knowing what to do with that experience once I'd had it. Um, so, you know, I had a real awakening of, of knowing that I was a daughter of God, that I was loved by God and that I had to do something about it. Um, because I'd grown up in the structure of the church, I knew that I could go back to the church and get involved. And, you know, I mean, it wasn't easy. It wasn't always fun. It wasn't always exciting, you know, but I did it because that's where I knew God wanted me to be. And this is where he's brought me to now. And I still can't believe that he's blessed me so greatly. Um, so, yeah, a combination of parental influence, family influence um, and a big mountaintop event. That's what did it for me. Yeah. Awesome. I think for me, it was, um, there's a few things. I mean, I haven't really done my sort of conversion story yet on the pod. Maybe that's for another another episode. But I think for me, I mean, I sort of had a big conversion when I went to university, thanks to uh, a group of evangelicals. I became an evangelical for a couple of years, then came back, thanks to Scott Hahn. Um, but I think really what did it for me, and then what really worked for me when I got into the Catholic Church, was actually relationships with key people that kind of, um, made the difference and actually you know what planted the seeds and what really made me a Christian was the relationships with my parents when I was a kid and actually if it wasn't for my parents I wouldn't have got there at all those kind of activating events that came later wouldn't have happened but yeah. um, really all the way along it was relationships it was yeah. a relationship at uni with a guy called Andy it was a relationship a couple of years later with a great guy a great youth worker called Derek Hay who uh, you know did so much for me and taught me so much. Uh, so yeah, for me it was relationships with other people who I could, who I could get on with. Yeah, I suppose that's what kind of supported and sustained me once I decided right, I'm going to take some action here. It was you know I came back, I got involved, I got involved with the confirmation program, and so it was the other catechists and kind of exploring things with them and having conversations with them and. Um, you know, and then going on other youth training programs and meeting other people that were really inspiring and further along in their faith and who could teach me and kind of mentor me and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So solid foundation, mountaintop experience and then being surrounded by by good mentors and good examples and um, people who were had very deep faith. Um and whose witness was very inspiring, yeah. Brilliant. The next question is, because I think uh, we've probably covered what looks what good practice looks like. One question you had was, what does what bad examples of youth ministry are there? What kind of doesn't work? And frankly, I could rant all day about this, and I'd probably start <laughs> before too long, <laughs> and, and, and people would turn off pretty quickly. Um, but I'm just going to chuck in a few. Um, Give I us think, your top five, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I think one mistake we constantly make in youth work is what I would call big event mentality. Yep. Well, that's not what I would call it. It's a common phrase that I didn't invent even slightly. Um, but basically, big event mentality is the idea that we take people to an event 
and they show a slight change during or after that event and then we assume that's the job done and we take them nowhere else and i think actually the big thing is we don't understand that evangelization goes in steps you know yep. uh, whether you use sherry waddell's model or or what evangelization goes in steps and we don't understand when we deal with a group of young people where they actually are yeah we don't understand how to move them forward and we don't then understand that when we've moved them forward that's not the end of the journey they need to be picked up and they need to go another step we don't understand how to take people through those steps and that's why we're failing and also i think and i'm going to say something really bold and i'm going to say something really controversial here i think that one of the reasons why we don't understand how to take people through those steps is because a lot of the time the people involved in the ministry themselves haven't necessarily got to the end of the steps that's not no. their fault and they're no. good people with big hearts and it's great that they're there um but someone else didn't take them through the steps you know no. and so they don't have the full thing to pass on to other people uh, mm. i know you know they're not responsible for that at all you know there's no guilt on their part um but you know yeah we need to work harder with everyone really um i'm I've been reading a really good book lately. It's um, by a guy called Everett Fritz and it's called The Art of Forming Young Disciples. Um, and he basically um, just pulls apart kind of big youth group mentality, how you just can't minister to the young people, that we need to meet their needs. And if we just get 40 of them in a room, we're not actually giving them opportunity for us to understand their needs for us to then minister to those needs and so he's he's really um promoting the idea of a small group discipleship um and i think there are a lot of people kind of getting the hang of the fact that actually maybe that's kind of the future um you know working very, more closely with um a few people you know discipling the few for the sake of the many yeah um, and he actually he talks himself about in the in near the end of the book about yeah jesus did the sermon on the mount but how, how those those people that heard that sermon on the mount that he preached to how many of those became lifelong disciples none that we know of who were the 12 people that like actually went on and made a difference to the church oh it was the 12 that he actually well the 11 that he actually um you know really spent some quality time with forming and discipling um yeah so that's a good book if anyone wants to read it they should art of forming young disciples i couldn't put it down once i started now my next question okay i'm gonna I'm going to pull the pin out and chuck in a hand grenade and uh, it's going to explode and it's going to just create a mess all over the podcast. Um, the hand grenade I'm going to chuck in is confirmation. Ooh. Now, I'm not okay. going to, rather than asking a question, I'm going to lay down a statement and I'm going to say discuss. Um, I, I think we're both hamstrung by the fact that we're both employed or about to be employed by diocese, so we probably can't... Uh, go to town on this one in the way that we might like to but i'm going to lay down a statement and i'm going to say the way that we currently prepare young people to receive the sacrament of confirmation is thoroughly and completely broken and we don't need to tweak it we don't need a new program we don't need a new approach we need to not change the actual sacrament itself because the sacrament is wonderful but the whole approach to preparation we need to rethink from the very very start discuss <laughs> okay um what's your alternative suggestion jack 
Basically, I would go with uh, what myself and Dave Wills used to refer to as the divine motivation model. What we do at the minute is what um, is referred to as open confirmation. And this is how open confirmation works. We put an advert in the newsletter saying that anyone who wants to be confirmed, this is when the course is. The course starts and lots of people turn up for the course who we've never seen at mass. Yep. We pretend not to notice that they don't come to mass. Um, people turn up. Um, want to start the course on the second, third, fourth, fifth week of the course because, of course, they weren't at mass. They didn't see the um, little insert in the newsletter. And we try our best to kind of evangelise them from step one. Um, we try and pump as much into them as possible in a sort of a 10 or 12-week course. Um, it doesn't really work. They all get dressed up. They have a nice day with the bishop. They all go home. They don't come to Mass again, and then we have to be good little catechists and pretend we haven't noticed that they're not at Mass the next week. It's just, uh, we're putting so many resources into it. Everyone in their heart of hearts knows it's not working, but and, and for, for reasons which I can well understand, nobody wants to um, have this fight because it, it is a big fight to have. It's a very, very so, big but, fight but... to have. My question is, Jack, what's the alternative? Right, so the alternative is a parish has, and this is the model recommended by Father James Mallon in Divine Motivation, basically make your parish good. Have different streams in the parish for young people. Have, oh, I don't know, an SVP group, an altar servers group. Have uh, a parish youth group. Just get your young people evangelised and set on fire by regular parish life. And then... If you're doing that properly, if you've got a proper parish that's actually properly ministering to young people and properly evangelising young people, you will just spot when those young people are ready for confirmation and then confirmation is done on an invitational basis and if somebody, and it's normally the mum, phones up and says when's confirmation, the answer is join the parish and you'll be told when your son or daughter is ready to be confirmed. That's the alternative. And actually, that's that of that. Of, I mean, I think it's quite obvious that that's the way it should be done. But it's easier saying that than doing it, isn't it? Very much so. Yes, very yeah. much. In, in an ideal world, that's fantastic. Um, because that should work for all the sacramental programmes as well, then, you know, because you've got families taking part in the parish and they have a kid and they just go, cool, you're ready for baptism because you're already formed. Let's do this thing. And, you know, um, right the way through because then you'll have you know couples that are attending mass and they're like father we'd like to get married and he's like yeah i know you've been coming to mass for ages together and it's lovely let's celebrate this love in the community that you're a part of it would affect every single sacrament mm. rather than just people yeah. dipping in and out um or rather than basically the church being a drive-through where you go to one window to get anointed go to the next window to get your photo with the bishop and then drive away yeah we could do drive-through confirmations that would work actually i think that's we basically good. we basically do drive-through confirmations <laughs> in all but name i'm going to tell i'm going to tell you my favorite story about confirmation okay there was a uh, at at uh, worth abbey a church which you and i know very well it's an absolutely beautiful church about uh, 10 12 years ago before i worked for the diocese i was responsible for organizing the mass for the deanery confirmations at worth abbey and worth abbey um, has a big sanctuary and basically what we did was we got uh, five people um, standing on the sanctuary and mm -hmm. they came in sort of from the left hand side of the sanctuary 
Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm pointing. It's useless for the podcast. They mm-hmm. came in from the left-hand side of the sanctuary. They stood kind of five abreast with their sponsors behind them with their hands on the shoulder. Yep. And then what they were supposed to do was after they'd been anointed, they were supposed to go off the right of the sanctuary and then go back into their seats. Okay? Yes, yes. One little, one little lad, and I think you know where this is going because I think I've told you this story before. <laughs> so one little lad, he's part of this group of five. So he waits at the left-hand side of the sanctuary he yep. goes on to the sanctuary, okay, yep. receives the sacrament of confirmation from uh, Bishop Kieran, it was then, and then he walks off the sanctuary to the right, and yep. then his entire family stand up and they walk out of church. Amazing. So, yeah. This if is, that's not mind, a metaphor for what is going on, I don't yeah. know what is. <laughs> and just to say, by the way, this was Sunday Mass. This oh, wasn't a midweek goodness. confirmation. This was Sunday Mass, okay? Oh, we, You know, you hear of people lapsing straight after confirmation, but actually lapsing in the middle of the confirmation Mass oh, is... You, you, I mean, it's if you so were writing sad. some kind of comedy farce about confirmation, you literally couldn't make up anything more ridiculous than that. No. It is, I know yet, I'm laughing, but it is desperately sad yeah. because, you know, it's completing baptism. It's completing that rite of initiation that's bringing them fully into the church and they just can't even stay till the end. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing is, I, what I, one, one conversation I've sort of, I've had with parents, you know, they kind of just want to, quote, get them done. I mean, yeah. the conversation that I kind of have with them is, what do you think you're achieving by doing that? And of course, it's a, it's a cultural Catholic thing. It's passport yeah. stamps. Um, yeah. But I mean, actually, one it's, thing it's I the would nectar say card is, for heaven, isn't it? You just got to get the exactly. right points on it, and that's it. Job done. Well, yeah. I mean, when I used to lead confirmations in in the in the parish, one thing I used to say was, "You won't get into heaven by waving your confirmation certificate at Saint Peter." You know, it's not it's not that simple. But um, I, I have to say, I have had experience. Uh, me and David Wills in 2013, we tried to change the way the confirmation was done in our parish, and we tried to um tell some people and tell their parents that they weren't yet ready to be confirmed yeah um you know and so didn't go well did it jack (laughs) well it out of a group of 40 and we could have done this with way more but out of a group of 40 we said to four of them you're clearly not coming to mass um you know you're not even going to mass on the weekends when you know we're coming to check that you're going to mass and by the way actually i think in hindsight this was the wrong approach I wouldn't have done it this way these days. But anyway, it's a story worth telling. We basically wrote to four of them and said, we're not going to confirm you. And oh, my God, World War Three started. It was it was it was horrific. It was just uh, there were complaints to the bishop. There were complaints to the parish priest. There was oh, it, it was it was very, very tough time. And me and me and David actually held out. We held our line. But um, eventually we were overruled by the parish priests who. Yeah small side note had promised they wouldn't overrule us but did, yeah um which was yeah. very very which was heartbreaking um but yeah i mean so the point is i've i've seen what happens when you try and change confirmation too many people um this system works for too many people for us to be able to change it easily i think if you want to change it you need a parish priest who's on board you need a bishop above him who's on board and all of them need guts to basically say we know there's a fight coming we're going to have that fight because if you had the fight one year next year people would know you weren't going to back down and you wouldn't have a fight or you wouldn't have as much of a fight but yeah i know it's tough to change it yeah it's and also from a personal point of view and i know we've had this conversation before i was not ready to be confirmed when i was confirmed 
No, but I, I look back and I'm glad that I was because I feel like the Holy Spirit was working in me even though I didn't know it, you know? Um, so on the flip side, who are we to say no? I mean, I don't, I do not like the fact that it's aligned with an academic year. I do object to that greatly because it just creates this mindset of, oh, it's just something I have to do this year rather than, right, okay, this is, you know, an important step in my faith. Um, You'll notice I've got out of my seat. Yeah, that really threw me. I just had to stop talking because I didn't know what you were doing. (laughs) I've got out of my seat because I've picked up, I've picked up this book. Oh, Catechism of the Catholic Church. Yeah, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. That's a very nice copy. I like that. It is, yeah. I got this for when I was doing... I actually got this from the the bookshop that used to be at your workplace, but it's now closed. It's it's very nice nice. indeed. Um, I'm going to CCC 1319, CCC 1319. Hit me with the teachings of the church. Right. Tell me if this lines up with the practice we've currently got. A candidate for confirmation who has attained the age of reason, and by the way, that means when you're not confirming them as a baby, like the Orthodox do and like the Eastern Catholic churches do, so confirm them over the age of seven. A candidate for confirmation who has attained the age of reason must profess the faith, be in the state of grace, have the intention of receiving the sacrament, and be prepared to assume the role of disciple and witness to Christ both within the ecclesial community and in temporal affairs. In other words, in the church and in the world. When you read that, you think, oh, wow, we are. That's quite, um, that's quite a, a tough call to say that actually that's, that's those young people are at that point. Yeah, it is a tough call. But, but you kind of, if, you know, if the church is going to have the fight on the sacrament of confirmation, it also needs to have the fight on the other sacraments as well. It needs to really kind of look at the big picture rather than just pick on particular, well, you're young and we can kind of see, measure that you're not coming to church. So that will just kind of single you out. You know, you need to actually say to the young couples that are coming for marriage preparation, you know, where are you? Why aren't you at mass? You know, um, yeah. Are you living? To, you know, have those conversations. Are you living together? What's going on there? Like, yeah. Um, are you? I totally agree. Are you, and then you know, marriage is about having families. So, what are they doing between getting married and having a baby to prove that they're ready to raise their kids as Catholic? You know, like you just got to step up the game across the board if you're going to do it. Exactly. Um, Which is basically, I think. I mean. I think actually youth ministry can't um, improve in isolation because what we improve will soon die off. And I think actually Father James Mallon, who we talk about all the time, uh, I was speaking to him at the DR conference and he basically said, this was in a QA and a with a lot of other people. It was my question, but it sounds a bit grand to say I was speaking to him. He answered my question and he basically said, don't lead off with youth ministry. He said, lead off with adults. Yeah. And I think his his point was that actually what we need to do is we need to transform our parish communities. If we really transform our parish communities and if we have a load of on fire disciples at the heart of our parish communities, if we have a parish that's evangelizing the local community around it, mm. then naturally you have the springboard from which you can transform mm. confirmation, marriage, first communion, baptism mm. and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you're if you're saying to teenagers, no, I'm not going to confirm you now, 
um, because I don't think you're ready. I hate to say it, but if they want to be confirmed later, I mean, my my dad is not a Catholic and has been through the RCIA program twice and is still like, no, I'm not getting the answers I want to the questions, so I'm not going to sign up for this club. Um, <laughs> you know, so if, if, if you're not confirming them at this stage, you're going to say, well, maybe come to the RCIA later, but they're still not going to get the, you know, what they need to really help them on their journey, are they? So it's, it's the whole big picture. Um, yeah, we need to step up our game everywhere, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, this is a thing. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, I've, you know, I've sort of been an identifiable youth minister for, you know, best part of 20 years now. And people often say to me, why is youth ministry failing so badly? And my answer is always the same, which is it's failing no more than anyone else and anyone no. else. Absolutely, you know, um, I agree. You, if you want to lay the blame at the door of youth ministers, you've got to equally lay the blame at the door of schools, parenting, um, clergy, whoever's forming the clergy, um, parishes, whoever's doing baptism prep, whoever's doing marriage prep, anything and everything. But actually, I think laying blame isn't the way forward. You know, we need to love people no, who are doing this. It's stuff absolutely better. not. And, we uh, need to think yeah. about what bit we can do as part of that yeah. bigger picture to kind of really. Um, you know, maybe go back to the kind of discipling the few for the sake of the many model of kind of working with a few young people that can then be a witness to the other young people that can then be a witness to the parish so that, you know, and hold up a mirror to the congregation so they can look at themselves and go, oh my goodness, look at these amazing young people. Um, this is phenomenal. <laughs> like, our prayers for vocations worked. Yay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pat myself on the back. Uh, <laughs> Because it's all very well and good to pray for vocations, but we, you know, God's emotion activated God. We need to do stuff too. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I um, a few years ago when I went to see Sherry Waddell speak in London, she basically said what I've always thought, which is that the first thing we've got to do is evangelise people. She said, I mean, Sherry Waddell, her book, her big thing is forming intentional disciples. What she's about is she's about actually let's not just produce catholics for the pews let's produce catholics who are seriously in love with jesus christ yeah. let's produce disciples who are on fire who want to share the faith and what yeah. she said at the, at the very beginning of her talk she said if you want lay ministries form disciples you want vocations yeah. form disciples yeah. you want liturgical ministries form disciples yeah. you want catholic families form disciples yeah um you want good youth ministers form disciples you want yeah. good parents to raise young people form disciples i think that's the thing we've got to do first we need parishes that are capable of evangelizing and yeah. i think when we've got that everything else will go click 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 and this by the way is why the new movements are successful at the minute because the new movements are, are properly evangelizing their people which is why the new movements are growing like crazy at the minute mm, mm, mm. i'm conscious we've been talking for nearly an hour jack so we should probably think about maybe wrapping it up soon yeah um, we should is there anything else pressing that is on our list of questions that we should discuss today yeah yeah i mean we can come back to it we, can't we we could i mean we, we and you could go on about this for four or five hours <laughs> couldn't we i mean uh, and then and then feel that we've barely scratched the surface um yeah so we should probably, we should probably i mean i think i'd quite like for our listeners to take a positive message away that although we are just as as youth ministers we're a tiny drop in a massive ocean of things that need to change um you know that 
don't be afraid of taking that step because the Holy Spirit can do amazing things. Um, and if you step out in faith and, and really do your best to evangelize, to create disciples, um, to really walk and journey with the young people that you work with, or even, you know, if you're not youth ministers listening to this, whatever ministry you're involved in, you know, if you you really do your absolute best to know and love Jesus yourself and then bring that to other people, you are a big part of the answer to the problem. You know, the more people that think, oh no, I'm not good enough or, you know, oh, that's not for me or, you know, that's just too big, I can't handle it, the more the devil wins, you know? Yeah. Um, and so the more people that are brave enough to just, even when they go to mass and they see a young person or a young family or whatever and smile and say hello and oh, it's good to see you again just kind of extend that loving hand of Jesus the more we do that in small ways you know the just it'll become a flood eventually tiny drops all the time will become a flood uh, which is probably a little inappropriate given the state of the country at the moment and how it's a little <laughs> bit damp and soggy uh, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying you know um we all need we've all got a part to play um and it's important that we just have faith and let the spirit guide us and let him work through us and he will do amazing things yeah you think your country your bit of the country's wet at the minute lizzie try living in cumbria i've had hail sleet and rain today and i got snow last week as well oh yeah well anyway are you flooded I... are you all right you everything's yeah. okay yeah. Where we are doesn't get flooded, thankfully. Parts That's of Carlisle, okay. which is the city near us, were nearly evacuated last week, but they weren't, which Aww. is good. Um, so, yeah, all, so all good around here, I think. Good. Maybe we'll do right. a Laudate Sea episode where we talk about the environment. Or we yeah. could get a guest speaker. I know someone that could come and talk to us about that. <laughs> I, I know exactly who you're thinking of. You're thinking of John Paul, aren't you? Excellent. Right, do you want to close with a prayer, Jack? Yeah, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Uh, loving Father, we just want to pray for all the people listening to this. We want to pray for those they love, their families, and we want to lift up to you the young people in the church. I'd like to pray for all those people I've just mentioned. I'd like to pray that they all come to know the love of God in Jesus Christ, and I'd like to pray that it transforms their lives and the lives of those around them. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As, As it was, was in the beginning, beginning is, is now, now and ever shall, and ever be. shall be. Well, well without end. Amen. Amen.